in my life I have I had seen God being very intentional from the beginning. He had a purpose for my life. He wanted me to be born. He wanted to create me and he wanted me to be here. When I was four, uh, I was playing in front of the church after the service. My mom stayed to prepare the church for the next service. And I was playing with my brother in front of the church and an iron gate fell over me. The weight is 300 kilos, which would be 600 pounds. So it fell just on me. And my dad uh, had some people helping him. They needed five guys to hold the gate and take me from underneath. I was losing blood from my mouth, my ears, and my nose. And my face was crashed, so it was all turned to this side. And I had a crack in my head right here. I had multiple broken bones, and I was losing the liquid from my spine. And my mom knew that something had happened to me, so she just turned and went to the altar. And she said that when she came to the altar, she saw heaven opening, like clouds opening. And she heard a verse in her heart in Psalm 34, 19, 20, who says, he protects all his bonds. No one of them will be broken. So she knew in her heart that I would be okay. And she turned to the pastor and she said, you can schedule the service to give grace to God because this will pass. So in the first hospital, my heart stopped completely and they took my dad out of the room with his friend and my dad went to the restroom and he said that he prayed and he said, God, she's my only child. Where to live or to die, she belongs to you. And when he came back, the doctors came to them saying, she just suddenly came back and she's breathing again. A friend of my family had a niece, she's a pediatrician and her niece was not a Christian, but when she came into the room and she saw me in the, at the table uh, covered in blood, she said that she heard angels singing and she decided to fight for me. So the doctors gave me eight hours to leave and they told my parents to go home. My parents went home and they were worshiping with friends in my house and my pastor went back to the church and in the church they were praying for me and the doctor said that she saw light coming from my body when I was in the ICU. And after she saw the light, I woke up from the coma. The doctors took all the exams again two days later and the liquid from my spine was not running anymore. The crack in my head was closed. This crack here was completely fine. All the broken bones that I had, they were completely restored. I was released from the hospital on Friday and I was walking, I was completely restored, completely fine. On the next Sunday, we were back to church giving the testimony. The church was completely packed. Like people that were just walking in the street, they decided to come into the church. And they, multiple people got saved. Some of them are like pastors of big churches in Brazil now. He is my great friend. God is my great friend. And my favorite thing about him is that he speaks. He speaks all the time. And I remember he telling me, because I was like, why did you bring me back? Because it would be so much better for me to be in heaven. And he told, there is no difference for me, you being in heaven or being on earth. And you being on earth, it's just like a place that I can come through your life. Amen, huh? 
You know, you hear something like that, and it's so hard to believe. True? Like you, hear, you hear these stories, and you're just like, well, how bad really was it? And we start to become skeptics, like, automatically. My favorite part of that entire testimony, whether you believe it or not, is what she said at the very end. Whether you're in heaven or if you're on earth, it doesn't make a difference. I'm with you. And for you guys here today, I, I hope that's the case. I hope you start to recognize it doesn't matter that, you know, I think, let me rephrase that. I think so often we're just, we're just waiting to go to heaven. We're just waiting to go to heaven. And, and if you actually read the scriptures, God is actually completely always, every time you read it, he's trying to get down to us. Does that make sense? So somewhere between you trying to get to him and him trying to get to us, I think somewhere we miss it. Did that make sense? I think we need to just be able to, to sit back and start to say, whether I'm here or there, he's with me. And I need to start living in that moment. Living with God by my side always. Amen? Amen. That was interesting. I don't know if it has anything to do with the message. I just wanted to share that. <laughs> I want to pray and then we're going to get started. Sound good? Yes? All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, I just ask, Lord, that your presence would just, um, I just want it to be overwhelming. I, I say that, Lord, but God, I really want it to be overwhelming today. Like, I honestly pray, Father God, that your spirit would rise up and that people here, <laughs> that people here would literally just, I don't know, God, like, like feel you, physically feel you this morning. That God, when they leave this place this morning, they would just be in awe of who you are. So Holy Spirit, just come and rise up in this place. Because God, I know you're already here. Just be evident to us. Let us feel you. Let us see you. Let us hear you. And God, just thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this time. Thank you for these moments that we get. And God, I just pray for everybody's heart to open up in this place. That we wouldn't be closed off, that we wouldn't have hard hearts, Father God, towards you. But that, God, we would be able to, to kind of open ourselves just a little to get a glimpse of you and your kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all that agreed said, amen. amen. So how's everybody doing beating the heat? Everybody okay? We tried to make this place as cold as we can get it. That way, you guys, there's some relaxation a little bit, No. It might be too cold, though. If, if it's too cold, just tell somebody. Um, I got my fans up here, so I'm good to go. Um, uh, if you're new here to Church 242, my name is Pastor Craig Hamilton, and I sweat a lot. Um, so I need to bring my own fans. Um, <laughs> no, but the reality is, is I'm, I'm really glad that you guys are here. Uh, thank you guys for showing up. It is the middle of summer. It is really hot. It was only 108 yesterday and 112 the day before, so yeah. That's horrible. Um, praying for uh, today, uh, we've been in a series called Unbound. And we're trying to get to those things where we're trying to unbind ourselves from maybe the things that the world has been doing to us or maybe things that we consider to be truths in our lives and they're just not the truth. And so we need to unbind that stuff in order to find God. And so we've been in this series trying to unbind certain things and uh, loose certain things in our lives. And uh, today, uh, I, as I was praying for the message this week and 
um, there was a, there's just a word that, like a phrase and a word that just kept coming to mind. And what I would like to do is I kind of just want to share that with you guys, if that's okay. And then we'll try to unravel it from there. Sound good? Yeah? So I don't, this, this might be a really awkward sermon. So uh, with that said, I'm just going to get into it. Sound good? Yeah, this was my thought. Here's what I thought. There are moments that happen in our lives that we choose to dwell over, fret over, uh, get frustrated over, and worry over. They take time off our lives, and in the end, they don't even matter. Sounds like a Linkin Park song to me. <laughs> right? And then some of the older generation just went, I don't even know that. Like, uh, see, somebody, I'm glad some of you got that. Um, uh, Linkin Park has a song that says, it's called In the End, okay? And that's literally what he screamed. It doesn't even matter. Um, but I was thinking about this. And I say, like, like, think about the moments in your life. Bless you. Uh, think about all the moments that, that happen in your life that you get frustrated over, that you just, like, consumed with, and you get angry with. And I, what I like to call them, they are the shower conversations. Have you, do you guys ever have, like, conversations in the shower where you're just sitting there and you're talking to yourself? And, like, if you have a spouse, you're like, who are you talking to? And you're like, nobody, you know? And it's like, you, but you're sitting there, and you're like, and you, and, 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 and you're like, man, I should have said this. Man, if I would have said that, that would have been awesome. Like, you know, or, or you're like, man, if they come up to me today, I'm going to say this to them. And you're like, and you have these conversations, I call them shower conversations, but you have these conversations with yourself in the shower. I don't know if I might be insane, but that's okay. Um, you came to listen to me. I don't know. No, uh, no. <laughs> but the reality is, is we have those kind of moments where we're just kind of talking to ourselves and, and we're sitting there and we're just, and we just, Start getting frustrated. We start like hyping ourselves up and like, you know, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but like for me, it depends on the conversation I have with myself in the shower. But sometimes I get out and I get dressed and I'm just like, I'm ready. Like, let's do this. And my wife's like, what happened? You just took a shower. Like, what's going on? And I'm like, but see what we, what I've done. And I think this is like most people, we create these scenarios in our heads and that don't actually exist, but we're ready for them. Are, are you with me on this one? To some of you, yes. Some of you guys are like, you guys are nuts. I'm never coming back here. Um, but the reality is we have these, we make up these moments and these are the moments that we dwell over, we fret over, we get frustrated over and we start to worry about and they haven't even happened yet. And, I, and, and this could be as simple as paying a bill. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Like we're going to pay a bill or I have this coming up or you know like there's something big on the horizon and you're like oh how am I going to deal with this? And it might be like a couple months out and you're like huh, 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 and it's like oh my gosh it's not even here yet. Just relax. And, and so here's my next thought, like when, when I had these thoughts. I said, we choose to live in these moments of our life that are insignificant. Because let's just be real. Most of the stuff that we're having these shower conversations over, they're not really that significant. Does that make sense? Now, here's the thing. When I say insignificant, you have to kind of not define the word, but you have to kind of define the situation. Does that make sense? Because some of us, we think there are things that are significant that actually aren't significant. Like, let, let, me, let me share this with you. Um, not paying a bill on time. Some of us think that that is significant. 
The reason why we think it's significant is because of how we view life. Did that make sense? The way we view our life will then basically showcase these type of things. So let's say in my life, I value money, I value integrity, and I need to pay this bill on time, right? It can be a red box rental for all I care, right? It's I got to get that red box back. Because if not, it's another $2 or $1.50 or $75, whatever. You know what I mean? I got to get it back. And you're like, you start stressing out and it's like, why do you have to do It's like, it's just $1.75. Well, some of us were like, that's a lot of money for some people. And so it becomes significant. Does this make sense? But how do we get it to the point where it's insignificant? Because now all of a sudden, if I'm looking through the eyes of God, so what? You don't pay a bill. You're just going to get charged that late fee. Does that make sense? I mean, let's just be real. You might die before you pay that bill. <laughs> and then you're golden. You don't even have to worry about paying that bill anymore. Somebody else might, but that's not your problem. Does it, are you guys with me on this one? Like, I, I want us to get in this place because we have to get into the thought processes. Why are the things significant in my life? Why do I care? Why do I put so much value on certain things in my life when in the end, do they actually really matter? Because see, the one thing that we actually don't put a huge value on is our relationships with people. It's really those conversations that we have with each other because we just, for, like, and, and, and how to put this, we just take it for granted that they're going to be there. And I might be really mad at my mom or I might be really mad at my spouse or even my kid, but they're not guaranteed tomorrow. So what happens is, is because of these certain issues in my life, I value other things above them. Do you guys getting this? And the reality is, is when I start to value things more than I start to value people, there is a problem because the highest value that God places on anything in the world is you. It's the highest. There's nothing else above you. He wants you. He, he literally came to die for you. Now here's... We say that, but I don't think we get it. Like, honestly. Like, I, like you get up here and I'm like, yeah, it's the highest value. It's you. And you're like, yeah, I know that. That's cool. But I got this car payment tomorrow and really, I got to get it. Are you guys with me? And, and do you realize you are the most valuable thing? You are the most precious commodity this planet has ever seen. And yet you don't give yourself value. Some of us sit in this place today and we actually don't give ourselves a high value because of something that you might have done. Maybe a way that you look. Are you guys with me on this one? Now, I'm not talking about a, a body image talk today. That's not where I'm going. My reality is for you guys is I want to get to the place to where we have this idea of what is significant and insignificant in our lives and what should we start placing value on. Yeah? I had another thought. I don't even know where it was. Um, insignificant. Okay. So if you guys want to know what the definition of insignificant is, it's of no consequence, influence, or uh, difference unimportant or petty without weight of character. Think about this out of all the situations in your life. Here's what I would like us to start doing. It's like a challenge or homework, if you will. If you don't like homework, 
then it's a challenge. Okay? It depends on where you're on the spectrum. But here it is. Ready? Every situation you come into, I want you to start placing a value on it. Is this significant enough for my, my attention? Is this significant enough for my worry? Is this significant enough for basically anything in my life? Or is it of no consequence? It has no influence on anything. It is it, no difference in my life no matter what. It's unimportant. It's petty. And guess what? It's not going to change my character anyway. Look at it. Does that make sense? When you start to look at every situation like this, it starts to place a different value on things. Like when you're driving down the street and the guy cuts you off and you're like, mother! Like, right? And what are you going to do? Is it... Is this important? Is this petty? Is this whatever? But it makes me feel good. <laughs> right? But the reality is, see, and here's the catch, and this is where I'm going to go, because this is the story we're going to read today, is when somebody cuts you off and you get so angry and you won't have the, and, you, and, and this becomes a significant thing in your life, it must be significant because you're yelling. Right? And by the way, now that I'm preaching this and my wife's in here, she's got so much ammunition against me. Because I yell at people all the time when I drive, dude. I seriously, somebody hits the brakes at a yellow light. I'm like, really? Where did you go? No, anyways, I just, and she's like, why do you do that in front of the kids? Like, it makes me feel good. Don't lie, you've all done it. <laughs> you're in your car by yourself and you're screaming. It just makes it look like you're looking at music or something. You know, like, yeah, no. You're like, yeah, I hate you. Um. But when they have so much value in your life causes you to be upset like that, you have to ask the question, why is this significant in your life? And here's something that we completely forgot about. Because of the lifestyle that we are bound to, remember we're trying to unbind, okay? Because of the lifestyle that we're bound to, when somebody cuts us off or something happens, you know, somebody cuts in line at a grocery store, somebody does something at a bank, and you're like, ah, why does that hold significance? See, what we're forgetting is that people actually have value. When that person cuts you off, I have no idea where they're going, but they're going there in a hurry, right? Do they not have value because they cut you off? Does God not care about them at all? Are, are you with me on this one? I think sometimes even when we're standing in line, I was at the bank the other day, um, which is a bad idea. Um, I, I don't go to the banks like ever, and then every time I go, I always remember why I don't ever go to a bank. The, like, so I go in, and I'm standing there, and it's taken a long time, and I see like the, 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 the teller people, and they're frustrated, and they're trying something. Turns out the whole system went down. Like the whole computer system went down. So the only thing that they could actually do was take your money and hope, I'm not joking, this is what I was told, I hope this is the right account. I said, well, I hope it is too, or my landlords are going to be very upset. <laughs> so there, and I, and I just everybody was getting so like angry, and I'm like, there is nothing they could do. This is a computer problem. It's not like they're sitting there going, I'm going to make your life miserable today. <laughs> oh, yeah, you come here. No. Yeah, you want to deposit something? No. Like, you know what I and I see these people getting so frustrated. And so I go up to the counter and, and I'm like, rough day, huh? <laughs> She's like, my head counter. She goes, I am so sorry. And she just, I mean, she has like this spiel. I'm so sorry. This is what's happening today. Da -da -da. I said, it's, it's okay. She's like, what do you mean it's okay? I said, it's okay. I'm good. 
I just need to know, can you do this or not? And she goes, I don't know, let's hope. <laughs> do you know what I mean? We deposited, I looked at her, I said, you just need to calm down, there's nothing you can do. So, oh, thank you, sir, thank you, you know, and I was like, just point everybody to an ATM. I don't understand why we're not using those anyways, like, you know? And, uh, and so literally, like, that was the whole thing. And, and I was laughing so hard, and I just watched, like, the people after me, like, in line. I turn around, and they're just sitting like this. And I'm like, man, their day's going to get worse. There's nothing you can do. But when we start to devalue people because of ourselves, I think we missed it. So when we get to each situation, we have to talk about what is significant versus what is insignificant. What's going to actually be important in your life? What are things that that basically the opposite of this that actually have influence in your life? They have consequences to your life. Does this make sense? What are those things that actually start to add character to your life? Those are the things that we should start to worry about, fret over, and these type of things. Does that make sense? Even with your boss, if you're dealing with something with your boss... You should sit down and start saying, well, let's think about it. Does it have consequences? Or do they just not like me? Because sometimes people just don't like you. I know this. (laughs) They just don't like you. There's not a lot that you can do about it. You can change here or there. But the reality is, at the end of the day, some people just don't get along with certain people. It doesn't devalue them in any way, shape, or form. It just means you're not going to hang out as much. And that's okay. I don't understand why we have to make everybody like us. You know what I mean? Everyone with me? I have no idea where I'm going next. All right, next. It's like a whole, it's like fun. Um, Sorry. Uh, We need to start recognizing uh, what moments are significant and insignificant in our lives and start uh, being intentional in how we handle each. Um, Everybody good with that? I think I killed that. We're good. And now most of you are like, okay, Craig, I came here for the Bible. I'm glad you came here for the Bible. Now we're going to get into a, a, a situation that took place. Um, I had no intention on using this verse today at all. Uh, I had a bunch of other verses. But the Lord was pounding on my heart over and over again that there is somebody or people in this place that need to hear this story. Does this make sense? And so I'm going to give you guys this story. And um, that's kind of why I'm a little scattered because I came, like, I literally, like, I woke up this morning and I'm like, the Lord was like, this is the one you need to do. And I told you that all week long, but why do you keep denying me? And I was like, all right, so we're going to give this story. Everybody cool with that? Now, if you heard the story before, now here's the thing. This is what like most Christians do. Um, the church people, they hear these stories like, oh, you're going to talk about Jonah and the whale? I know this story. I'm out. And we just kind of shut our brains off. I'm not talking about Jonah and the whale. But like some of you guys are like, oh, no, no, no. Um, but the reality is we, we shut off. Try not to shut off when that happens. Try to get something out of it that maybe you haven't seen before. Amen? John chapter 4, verses 1 through 42. Yes, I didn't screw that up. We're reading 1 through 42. Well, we're going to try to read. I'm a little illiterate sometimes. All right, so here's this. Here's this here, I want to I paint the picture, okay? We are basically over in Israel, okay? There are three sections in Israel. If you can imagine, the southern section, if you will, is called Judea. Everybody with me on that one? The middle section is called Samaria, and the northern section is called Galilee. Everybody with me on this one? 
So you have Galilee, Samaria, and Judea. Judea is basically where you're going to get Jerusalem from, and you're going to have basically the temple there. Everybody with me? We're good. Hello? All right, we're good. Okay, so that's that. So if you now, here's the thing. If you guys have never been to Israel or if you don't know anything about the climate in Israel, it's really nice when you get over to the western kind of border where it kind of, there's the seas over there and that kind of stuff. But in the middle, it's desert. It's, it's basically like here. So it gets really hot. Not like Death Valley hot, but it gets hot. Everybody with me on that one? Yeah? And just to throw out there, it doesn't have milk or honey there. So, um, even though it's the land flowing with milk and honey. All right, good luck with that one. Um, so this is the setting in which we're going to take place. Okay, here's the next thing you need to know about the setting. Okay, the middle part, Samaria, they're a bunch of, uh, the best way I can describe them, and, and the, the, forgive me if you don't like Harry Potter, um, they're muggles. And a muggle is a half-human, half-magician. Does that make sense? And so, like, pure blood, like, um, I see I'm illiterate. Um, uh, magicians, okay, I was going to say musicians. Um, uh, I know, sorry, don't offend. Uh, uh, but these magicians don't like these muggles because they're half-breeds. Does that make sense? It's basically a form of racism. Um, <laughs> In this case, this is exactly what's going on. If you're from Samaria, uh, more than likely, you are half Jewish and you're half Samar uh, um, um, Syrian, excuse me. And then basically what happens is because they mix the blood that they, they consider them not Jewish. Are you guys with me on this one? So, and this happened from a war a long time ago, and Persia came down, and they did all, anyways. And so, I'm just trying to recap real quick. Sound good? So, I'm not, so just to show you how, how bad this is, if you were Jewish, and you were going to Galilee, which happened all the time, you would literally take two days out of your trip to go around Samaria. Because you wouldn't go through it, because you just didn't, you like them that bad. Does that make sense? And you thought we had racism today, right? Pshh. Okay, everybody with me on this one? This is how bad it is, okay? Jesus, he's a different type of a cat, right? He's like, oh no, I'm lazy. I'm going straight through, right? It's like two days and it's desert. It's hot. Forget that. We're going straight through. And all the disciples are like, you serious, bro? And he's like, well, let's do this. And this is where we pick up the story. Sound good? Did that, does that make sense to everybody? All right, here we go. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. Can you imagine if you were baptized by Jesus? Is that like instant Holy Spirit? Like, like No? All right. Only some people. My brain, my bad. Um, baptized his disciples. So he left Judea, southern part, and he went back once more to Galilee. The every. Picture? Now he had to go through Samaria. Now that all makes sense now because of what I said, right? Yes? I hope so. So he came to a town in Samaria called Shekar, and near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tried um, as, as he was from the blah, blah, blah. Jacob's well? Just so you know, sorry, I got frozen on Jacob's well. It's still there today. You can go to there today. It's still there today. And there's going to be a, a part in here where she says the well is deep. Bless you. Um, where she says the well is deep. To this day, the well is still functioning. It still works. And it's 100 feet down. And they believe that it probably was deeper during this time. Isn't that interesting? 
Uh, just uh, nobody cared. All right, move on. Verse six. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, uh, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Desert time, noon. Everybody got this? He's walking from southern to northern. Do you think he's tired? You think he's hot? Absolutely. It's like if I told you to go outside right now and just take a little hike up uh, Burl. Here, like, forget you. It's hot. Right? By the time you got to the top of Burl, you'd sit down, you'd be thirsty. Sound good? So here's how it goes. Uh, when, uh, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Verse 8, uh, his disciples had gone uh, into the town to buy food. So it's just Jesus and this, and this woman. Everybody with me on this one? Okay. The Samaritan woman said to him, uh, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Everybody with me on this one? Okay, there's a couple things you need to know about. First off, as you're reading this, you have to start to define characters. Does this make sense? Characteristics. People. Now, when, you, when, I, when I said this woman came up and Jesus asked her for a drink, you already have your preconceptions of who Jesus is. Does that make sense? So you have his tone of voice, you have his stature, you know how he's asking the question. Does that make sense? Like you, if I went up here and I read this, like Jesus said, yo, woman, give me a drink now. <laughs> That's not Jesus, right? Because in your head, you already have what Jesus sounds like. It's like this holy thing, right? Like, woman, <laughs> I need a drink. <laughs> right? It's like this holy, <laughs> I got the slow clap in the back. That was good. All right. Listen, listen. We already have a preconceived notions. When I read this all the time, I think of this woman and I think of like her life. Because Jesus is going to start revealing some things about her life in a moment. And I, and I see her and I'm like, man, you got to read this the way that this woman is, like the way that she is. First and foremost, as a woman that lives in the desert, you do not go in the heat of the afternoon to go get a drink from the well. That is something that is done bright and early in the morning when it is cool. Does this make sense? This is their culture. Their culture is do not go there. But the problem is she's by herself in the afternoon grabbing water from a well. This means this. She is, she is basically an outcast from all the other women in the community. Are you following me on this one? Either that or she doesn't own a clock. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with the first one. Right? So she's an outcast. So knowing that she's an outcast, she starts walking up to the well and there's a dude there by himself. This is already not a good situation for her. Why? Because later on you're going to find out that she has problem with men. Are you guys with me? So now you have this woman who has a problem with men and is in the middle of the day. She's going to the well. She's already not part of the community and there's a dude standing there. Not only is he just a dude, he is a Jewish dude. You can tell by what he was wearing. Okay? Everybody with me? So when she says this like line like, like, hey, you're, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Put it into her language. I believe, and this is just Craig, so I'm going to read it this way, okay? I believe she has been through so much in her life that everything is sarcastic to her. Make sense? 
And I, like, the way that I see this is she is so hurt and she has had so many things happen to her that she's just super sarcastic. So she walks up, she sees a dude sitting there. He doesn't have a bucket, he doesn't have a rope, he doesn't have anything going on, and he's a Jewish person, and he looks at her and says, hey, you want to give me a drink? And I see her just looking at him and be like, did you forget you're a Jew? Did you forget? Um, maybe you couldn't tell, but I'm a Samaritan woman. Right? Uh, and then, hey, how are you going to ask me for a drink? Are, are you with me on this one? I believe there is so much attitude. I don't believe that she is some, you know, fly by night just late. <laughs> Come on. Hello. <laughs> That's a band issue. I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> Can you turn it off, dude? Thanks. Boom, boom. Just, yeah. Hello. And Jesus speaks. Attitude. Do you see that? God was like, uh-uh, they're having this conversation. So, anyways, how can you ask me for a drink for Jesus to associate that? Then Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, all right, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I, now, now, see, some of you guys, you see Jesus being holy, right? So you, like, in this moment, you're like, hmm. If you would have known who is asking you for a drink, I would have given you living water. I think he's being sarcastic back to her. Because why? God meets you where you're at, no matter where you're at. True? She was not looking for a holy moment. She's getting water. She's hot and thirsty. Are you with me? Hey, can you give me some water? Psh. Listen, Jew. You're a man. I'm a woman. Come on. What? Oh, really? Well, if you knew who was going to ask you for water, you would have just gave it to me because you don't know who I am, do you? Oh, let's play this game. <laughs> That's what happens. Sir. Titles now. <laughs> Sir. The woman said, you have nothing to draw with well is deep. Where can you get this living water? I just love this. Think about it sarcastically. Sir, you don't have a cup. <laughs> so where are you going to get this living water out of thin air? Like, do you guys, do you, you know what I mean? This living water. Oh, oh, oh let me guess. Are you greater than, our, greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? did also his sons and his livestock? Sarcastically. Right? <laughs> Jesus answered, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You guys with me on this one? Go ahead, you can throw out all the name dropping you want. Abraham, Isaac, sons of Joseph. Like, you know what I mean? Like, name drop all you want. And then Jesus steps in and he goes, look, if you drink from this well, you'll be thirsty again. But you drink from what I give you? Shoot, 
You never have to come back here. Think about this. If you drink from the water, see, God meets you where you're at, right? D yes, God meets you where you're at. If you drink from this water, you're going to be thirsty and you're going to have to come back here tomorrow. And you have to come back here the next day. And you're going to have to come back here the next day and the next day and the next day. And you know what the problem is? The problem is every time she comes back to the well, it's a reminder that she's an outcast because she can't go with the community. Are you following me? So now all of a sudden, Jesus looks at her and said, if you drink from this water, you're going to be thirsty again. But if you drink from the water that I'll give you, you'll never have to come back here. Uh-oh. See, now there's a change of a heart. What do you mean I never have to come back here? You mean I don't have to live isolated anymore? I don't have to live with this guilt anymore? Are you guys thinking about this now? Because now all of a sudden she says, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Do you guys get that now? I don't want to come back here anymore. I want to be part of something. I'm tired of the way that I'm living. He told her, this is where he catches her, meets her where she's at, gets the hook in there, and now he's going to start reeling. Everybody got it? Okay. He told her, go call your husband and come back. Such a sly move, this Jesus guy. <laughs> I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, is that you've had five husbands, and the one that you're with now is not even your husband. Drop the mic. <laughs> By the way, what he's saying right now is absolutely embarrassing. Does this make sense? What he is saying right now is calling out her entire life and why she feels the way that she does. This is why she comes in the middle of the afternoon to the well. Does this make sense? Because of all the husbands. We don't know about her husband. We don't know if they died. We don't know if she got divorced. But we do know this, that she got so sick and tired of it that she doesn't even go to husbands anymore. She just lives with the guy. Did that make sense? Sounds like some people in our society today were just so sick and tired of, of always constantly getting uh, raked over the coals, if you will. And we're so tired of feeling guilty all the time that we just give in and we just don't do it right anymore. Right. Yeah? Yes. This is what Jesus is calling out. First, Jesus meets you where you're at. He starts to banter with you so that you know that he's, he's for real. And then he just hooks you with something. There's that hope. Well, what do you mean about this? And then all of a sudden, he just drills into your life. But he doesn't drill into your life to make you feel bad. He drills into her because he wants her to know, I know you. I know your heart. I know your feelings. I know where you feel abandoned. I know where you feel hurt. I know where you feel insignificant. I know you. I might know you more than you know you. Can I be real? At this moment, I would be freaked out if I was the woman. Who are you? Right? Story goes on. 
Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worship now. Now, just by the way, what she's about to do, she's about to test the waters. Did that make sense? Because isn't that what happens when somebody calls you out? You're like, oh, okay, stalker, what's up? <laughs> right? She's about to test the waters to see who he really is. And so she said, sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. If you don't know about the history, that is the dumbest statement you've ever heard. Okay? Might be one of them. Top 20. Okay? What does that actually mean? Well, see, where they're at is they're close to a mountain called um, Giza, Garza, Gazirum, Gazim. All right, Garzim. I think that's it. Gerizim. Okay. You don't care. None of you guys will remember. Okay. Listen, so on this mountain is actually where Moses came and he re-decreed, uh, I think it's like Deuteronomy 27, he re-decreed um, the Ten Commandments. He actually even instituted an altar being built there. Abraham landed there as well and also had a place of worship there. Not only did that happen, but Jacob and Joseph and all these other guys landed on that mountain and they started worshiping God on that mountain. That mountain is very close to God's heart for some reason. Does this make sense? So when there was a split between uh, Samaria and Judea and there was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, they put their place of worship on this mountain and then Judea put it on uh, in Jerusalem where the temple was. Everybody with me on this one? So the Jews say the temple is the only place that you can do the sacrifices. But if you're a Samaritan or you're in Samaria, they said, no, this is the mountain that you can do sacrifices. Why? Because sacrifices were done on both mountains. Did that make sense? So she's sitting down saying, hey, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. Are you guys getting this now? We built altars on this mountain. This is where Moses was at. This is where Abraham was at. But you Jews say the only place is the temple. Moses never went to the temple. Abraham was never at the temple. But they were here. Did that make sense? Right, yeah? yeah? So Jesus comes back and he says, Woman! Which isn't actually like a derogatory mean thing, by the way. Because nowadays it is. But back then, it was, it was the polite way to say sir or madam or something like that. Does that make sense? So, woman, um, uh, reply, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we, uh, what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Another weird statement, right? Now we're in the top 25. Okay? What is this really trying to say? Salvation comes from the Jews, meaning the Messiah is going to be Jewish. Wink, wink, hint, hint, standing in front of you. Does that make sense? Oh, not me. I'm pretending. Some of you guys are like, uh-uh, I need it now. Not Jewish. More Irish. Um, so listen. It's this concept where she's sitting there and he's trying to show her, listen, it's not about this mountain or that mountain. There's going to be a time where literally the Messiah is going to show up and it's not about a mountain. It's not about a temple. It's about a person. And this is what he's trying to explain to her right now. And it's going to be about Jesus. And basically that's what he says. As he says this, um, salvation comes through the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true 
Worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. What are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks? The ones that worship in what? Spirit and in? Which makes no sense. What does that mean to worship in spirit and truth? We did worship this morning, right? Some of you were bobbing your head, sapping your toes. What does spirit and truth mean? Well, the spirit means that there is no bodily form, there is, that it's, it's not physical. Does that make sense? So the reality is, is the non-physical, the spiritual, has to connect with the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus. He's also the word, which means that the word is truth. He is truth. So you have to combine the spirit part of you. Does this make sense? With the truth part of you, which is the salvation of Jesus, and you start to put it together, then you'll start to understand worship. Does this make sense? Listen, there's a bunch of people that come to church, and they don't have either. And worship is the weirdest thing on the planet. Can you imagine inviting somebody to church? Hey, come to church. It's super cool. It's super fun. You'll get to know Jesus. They show up, and people are like, yay. <laughs> Awkward. True? It's like the awkwardest thing. That's why people don't want to come back to church because they don't understand what we're doing. But see, when you have that spirit inside of you, we don't raise our hands because we want to. There's just something inside of us that's like, i got to do this right now. I don't know why. Dude, there are some times where the, when you're just worshiping, you have to go to your knees. But you know what the funny part is? We have the human side of us that fights that all the time. That's where you bob your head and you tap your toe and the Lord's like, nope, I want you to do more. And you're like, nope. This is about as far as I go. It's the truth. I'm not, I'm not, joking. I'm not joking. I'm just, it's the truth. Because you've got to get to that place where you actually release. This is a sign of surrender. Getting on my knees is a sign of surrender. The physical shows what the spiritual is doing. Does that make sense? And that's why we do it. Shoot, half the time I just open my eyes and my hand is raised. I'm like, how'd that get up there? Like, you know, like I, it just, it just becomes natural uh, uh, when you start to worship with the spirit inside of you. You guys know you have a soul, right? Yeah. It says that these things, these bodies, they die. They're gone. But it's our souls that take place in heaven. That's the eternal part. And that's what we got to get inside of us to worship in spirit and in the truth. And what is the truth? The truth of the scriptures, the promises that God gave us. I raise my hand, I worship God because he promised that he'll never leave me, never forsake me. He promised me that he's always going to be by me. He promised me that he's my father and a father gives good gifts. He promised me that, he's, that I'm going to make it through. Are you guys with me on this one? That's the truth. So I worship in spirit and in the truth. Yeah, yeah? yeah. <laughs> Moving forward. Um, verse 3, God is spirit, and the worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one who's speaking to you, I am he. Which this is one of the only spots in the entire scriptures or gospels where Jesus actually says who he is. Just in case you guys cared. But he actually doesn't say I am the Christ. He just said, yeah, I'm who you're talking about. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, yeah, that's me. Are you with me on that one? Okay. So in a court of law, I'd be like, I don't think that's going to happen. You know what? Anyways. Sorry. 
Verse 27, just then his disciples returned. I love the disciples miss all the cool stuff, okay? Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Not a Samaritan, just a woman. Does that make sense? Um, but no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Okay, then leaving her water jar. Uh, why don't you get this? Remember the whole reason she was there? Get water. She leaves it. Leaves the water jar. Um, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. That's awkward. Remember the town that didn't like her? That's why she had to go out there in the afternoon. The town that already knows everything she already did. Are you guys with me on this one? She goes out there, meets a man. And the experience with that man will forever change her life. To the point of the significant, I need water to live, didn't even matter anymore. I am leaving the jar. I am leaving the water. I'm running to the people that don't like me. And as I run to the people that don't like me, I'm going to share with them, he told me everything I ever did. She's sharing all of her downfalls, all the things that made her feel guilty. And she says, this has got to be him. It has got to be the Messiah. Why? Because when we meet the Messiah, when we meet the Christ, when we meet Jesus for the first time, it doesn't matter what you've done anymore. It doesn't matter who you are anymore because he's going to change it all. Does that make sense? There are some people that are literally walking around, maybe even in this place today, where they're sitting there saying, I know of Christ. I know of the Christ that is to come. She knew of the Messiah. She knew all about him. She knew what mountains to worship on. She knew all these things, but there's a difference between meeting him and just knowing about him. Because when you meet him, your life forever changes. It can never be the same. Does this make sense? And so for her, it never was the same. She ran into town. She goes, yes, I'm that woman. And yes, there's a man out there. You've got to see him. Can I be honest with you? This should be our heart cry every single Monday morning, if not Sunday afternoon. Where we go to church, we learn about God, we hear about God, we see the presence of God, and we can't do anything else but to run into our community and say, I've met somebody. You've got to see him. Are you guys with me on this one? The problem is, is that we don't, have those, we don't have those encounters anymore. I don't know why you came to church this morning. I don't know why you're sitting here. I don't know if it's because a friend brought you or you're just like, you know, I'm checking off my box. This is why I'm here this morning. But the reality is every single time you come to church, I pray that you have an encounter with God, which is so significant in your life that everything else just goes to the wayside. It doesn't matter if you don't have enough money to pay your bill because you know that the Lord will never uh, leave you nor forsake you. So it doesn't matter if we pay that bill. It doesn't matter if that guy cut me off on the freeway. Check, check, check. <laughs> you can't get better than that. Maybe I should just preach with that all the time. The God mic. <laughs> so 
what the reality starts to become. It doesn't matter. It honestly does not matter what I have to deal with on this level, on this earth. What matters is what is God doing with me in the spiritual realm? Where is my heart connected with him? Do I have a relationship with him or do I just know about him? Has he really come into my life and literally flipped me, like, like gave me a new life? Or am I still stuck in my old ways, walking to the well, hoping that something will change one day? Are you guys with me on this one? See, the thing is, though, is you can be a Christian your entire life. You're like, Craig, I had my well experience. I know who Jesus is. I accept him as my Lord and Savior, and it's awesome. But then how come you keep going back to the well? If that's the case, why do we keep going back to the well? What do I mean by that? That means this. I know God's going gonna, gonna to support me. I know God's not going to let me fail. Then why are we sitting there having those um, shower conversations about how it's not going to work out? Why do we have those conversations with ourselves about fretting about things that might not happen or could happen or might? Why don't we just live our life in the moment of saying, God, you are here. The, the Father is here. There's no difference whether I'm in heaven or on earth. He's still with me. Are you, are you guys with me on this one? Is it tying together yet? This is where I want us to be. And if you keep reading on in this chapter, it goes to the, like, that she runs away and she starts talking to this and then the disciples are like, hey, yo, bro, what's up? And here's the thing, and, if, and I, I really want you to get this. Every single time the disciples leave and they come back and they miss something, it's because they were eating. <laughs> Just gonna throw that out there. It's always based around food. If you don't believe me, start reading the gospels. Every time something happens, they're like, dude, we were out getting bread, what happened? This is why fasting is important. <laughs> Just throw that out there. I'm not joking. That's like real. Like every time something significant happens, they were out getting food. So here's the next thing for us. The town listens to the woman. And they show up and they invite Jesus to stay for two days. And in two days, Jesus completely transforms the town. Not because of the woman's testimony. This is what it actually says. It's not because of the woman's testimony that they changed. It's because they actually had an encounter with him themselves. Listen, you can't live off of my testimony. You got to have your own. You can come to church, you can go online, you can go on YouTube, and you can hear the greatest sermons ever given. Band, you can start to come up. You can hear the greatest sermons ever given. But at the end of the day, those sermons aren't yours unless you start to live them. So it's up to you to start moving forward in your life. Amen? So here's the thing. I don't know where you're at in your life today. But I would encourage you, have an encounter with God. Maybe some of you are in this place today and you're just like, Craig, I'm sitting at the well and I need to get away from the well. I need to have that experience. Then in the moments that we're about to have, just let it go. Let your heart go. Just don't hold anything back and say, God, I want something from you. I need you, Father. And let that be the most significant thing in your life. And every morning, wake up and say, God, I want this, you, to be the, the significant thing. Listen, your job, I'll just be real, is insignificant. Like, no, it is. No, it's really not in the scheme of things. Because you can get fired tomorrow. 
Listen, even for me, this, this is what I do for a living. I love coming to church. I love having a church. But at the end of the day, this thing could fold tomorrow. And if my identity was in the church, then I missed everything, which is why the church folded. What would it be, make, make sense? Does that make sense to you guys? Our identity has to not be in what we do. It has to be in him. And if we're living like him, then that starts to become who we are. I heard this thing. Let's see if I can remember it. Dang it. Nope, not going to happen. <laughs> oh, so good, too. It fit perfect. Uh, Christianity, it, it was along the lines of Christianity is like a lifestyle, but it's not that it was like, um, oh, that's what it was. Christianity isn't a religion. It isn't a relationship. Christianity is a behavior. And if your behavior isn't Christ-like, you don't have a right to call yourself Christian. I just thought that was super impactful. That is not mine. That is Dr. Perkins. Um, I don't know his first name. James? That sounds good. John? That's a good one, too. Oh, is it really John? Oh, thanks, bro. Uh, Dr. John Perkins. I mean, just uh, amazing. So for you guys... Don't live at the well your whole life. Because the Messiah has come. He meets you where you're at. And he's not trying to change you. You have to hear this. He's not trying to change you. He's trying to help you become the best you that you can be. Does that make sense? So for all of you, that's my prayer. Go be who God has called you to be. Don't sit at the well. Look at the significant things in your life. Throw away the things that are insignificant. Don't have those shower conversations anymore over things that don't matter. And start living life to the fullest. Because that's what God wants. Amen? Father, in this time of worship, may it be so significant in our lives. God, may we throw everything at your feet, Lord. And God, would you just rise up in this moment. Let us feel you, see you.